Welcome to the Christ Loving Wife Podcast, where Emily focuses on building women up in an anti-woman society. Culture today bashes and minimizes the role that God has given women. But in this podcast, Emily will walk through scripture that reminds and encourages women of the fulfillment they can find in Christ and his design. Hello and welcome back to the Christ Loving Wife podcast. This is your host, Emily Stanton, and today we are going to be discussing contentment versus complaining, or I think the heading will actually be the other way around, complaining versus contentment. I know this has been quite the long hiatus since I have last done an episode. I believe it was towards the beginning of December or towards the end of November. I cannot correctly recall But my purpose and reason was for my husband gave some really good criticism for how I was doing my episodes, and I wanted to take a break in that I can evaluate, plan, prepare, and produce better quality content for you all. So my episodes will not be a couple times a week. I will, from here on out, only be doing one episode a week, Lord willing. The purpose for that is so that I can better prepare, better plan, and better speak on certain topics rather than flying off the wind. I will not be doing Wife Talk Wednesday episodes anymore. For those, really, we're just uh, not enough time to really dive into the topics, and I felt as though I was rushing and rattling rather than actually explaining where I stood on certain said topics or questions my new rhythm and routine that I'm hoping to play out here on this podcast is to have four episodes each month. Two episodes will be miscellaneous topics of my choosing or of your suggestion. One episode will be a book review from a different book that I have read that month, and I will explain different parts that stood out to me, different application I plan to put into practice, and then I will have one guest speaker on per month. But Lucky for you all, I will actually be having two guest speakers this month because I accidentally planned it that way. (laughs) But that's great. That's good. I'm excited to have both of those people on here in the later weeks of January. My purpose for picking complaining versus contentment is due to the fact that recently we had a friend of mine that I've had since fourth grade. Him and his girlfriend came over to stay with us unexpectedly for the night And I had the chance to talk with him at lunch, um, just due to my husband was working, and we just met up at a coffee shop right before um, his wedding, long story short, or a wedding he was attending. Anyways, long story short, in that time, he was discussing an opportunity his girlfriend had to complain about something, and she would have every reason and right to complain. But instead, she was content. Instead, she was joyful and kind about the situation she was in. And that really um, stood... I didn't even share with him how much it stood out to me. But I realized that as um, Will's wife, as my husband's wife, I can often give way to complaining. Complaining about how difficult it was with the kids that day. Complaining about, I don't want to be doing these responsibilities. I don't want to have to be cooking. I don't want to have to be doing the dishes all the time. It's unending. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you can fill in the blanks of your own situation of what you find to be um, 
worth complaining in your fleshly heart. <clears throat> but it challenged me. It challenged me to really evaluate my heart of, am I more prone to complain or am I more prone to be content? <clears throat> Excuse me for my, um, there might be a few of those little grunts in my voice as I'm trying to work out <laughs> some phlegm. Um, so anyways, going back into my story of when we had them over and I had heard that little short testimonial about his girlfriend, I had been put into an evaluation of my role as a wife, of my interaction as a wife, but then as my personhood as a whole, of how am I as a congregant in my church, how am I as a sister to my family, how am I to a, as a daughter to my mother, as a mother to my children, how am I as a person bought with the blood of Christ, how am I using that as an opportunity to be content and to show forth that contentment in a manner that is honoring and glorifying to the Lord. So I wanted to go through one of the most common verses and passages in regards to contentment, which is in Philippians 4, 4 through 13. I will read that in just a moment, but before that, I'm going to be sharing in this episode a few journal entries that I actually wrote on before I was married, because I used to struggle a lot with my singleness, with the season the Lord had me in, and my desire to be married. I have not really done an in-depth study or um, a true heart discipline in the matter of contentment in recent years, but just because I'm married and have children does not mean that I shouldn't be doing that. There are many reasons that... I struggle with discontentment still, and having that reminder from my friend made me realize how I ought to more routinely be going over, what does the Lord say about contentment? How am I content or discontent? So, but nonetheless, I will read a few journal entries that I wrote a few years ago before I was married, I will share some quotes from other people, and we will dive into Philippians 4, 4 through 13. So let us begin. Journal entry number one. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Luke 1, 37-38 and 45-47. I go on to say, I will put my trust in you, O Lord, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all the day long. I fully know that you are gracious enough to withhold that which I want until your perfect timing. Thank you, O my good and blameless Father. In my season of waiting, may I ever be so thirsty for you. May I never be complacent or content in my walk with you. May I inhale and exhale your word. May I be still before you and may I intentionally meditate upon you in your glorious presence all the day long. Going right into Philippians 4, 4 13, let's read that passage together and then we will dissect it verse by verse. Starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have received your concern for me, for you were, or sorry, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Right in verse 11, let's go right into that, um, where it says, For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. This verse is commonly spoken of um, in regards to biblical contentment, but seldom do we dissect the passage surrounding this verse. So we often hear um, other ladies or pastors giving the word of encouragement that, you know, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. So we've often heard that, but we don't often look at the surrounding passage. Context is very important to understanding how to apply specific said verses to our lives. So let's start right in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoicing is the first step to contentment, and that is not my own words, but that of Paul's, and from there, that of God's. <laughs> not simply rejoicing in life, but rejoicing where? In the Lord. We're not just to rejoice in our husbands and our children, or we are not just to rejoice in our church or our house. We are not just to rejoice in the weather. We are to rejoice in the Lord. We are to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Lord has given you above and beyond what we deserve or what we could ever ask for. I believe it's in Ephesians 4, 21. I could be totally wrong on that reference. Um, let me, I have my Bible right here. Let me just check to see if it's even the right reference. And if it's not, I will um, take back that. Mm -hmm. Oh no, sorry. It's Ephesians 3, 20. It says, now to him he was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. So when we are being, when we are rejoicing in the Lord, we are rejoicing in the Lord who has given us beyond what we could ever even ask. We are rejoicing in the Lord who's capable of such things. Our continuous rejoicing in the Lord produces that deep peace and contentment. When at the feet of Jesus, we recognize the sufficiency of salvation in our life. Let me say that again. Um, our continuous rejoicing in the Lord produces deep peace and contentment. When at the feet of Jesus, we recognize, we recognize the sufficiency of salvation in our life. From that, we can rejoice and be content. Next verse we're going to hop into is verses 6 and 7, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So first step, rejoicing. Second step is to be, the second step to contentment is to not be anxious. 
We are to lay all things, all things at the feet of the Almighty. We are to come to God in prayer, laying um, our burdens down and pleading our cause. We are so gifted. We are so um, blessed in a way that we will never be able to repay, that the veil is torn, that we are able to go to the Lord in prayer whenever we want, number one, number two, with whatever we want. We can lay all things before the feet of the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer of our lives. So utilize that. He has given that to you. Jesus has bled and died for that so that you may come boldly and lay all things at his feet. So come with your anxious and weary heart and lay them down at his feet. Um, but don't just do so, leaving it there. Do it with thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord always again. Remember, we are to rejoice. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart against discontentment. So remember to be anxious about nothing, but with thanksgiving, present your request. So we are to be joyful. We are to rejoice in the Lord. We are to be thankful as we bring our anxious Thoughts to God so that his peace can guard us against discontentment. Next, in verses 8 and 9, again, just as a reminder, we're going through Philippians 4. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard, think about such things. Oh, forgive me. I said that wrong. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So what are, um, forgive me. So number one, rejoicing. Number two, laying our anxious thoughts before the Lord. And then number three, our thoughts. The third step to contentment involves our thought life. We must take every thought captive to make it obedient unto Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We must discipline ourselves to only think upon things that are true, that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. These are the things that as believers pursuing holiness, as believers pursuing obedience, and as believers pursuing contentment, these are the things we ought to be filling our minds with. We have heard these words of Paul, and we must put them into practice. Then the peace of God will be with you. So through rejoicing in the Lord, laying our anxieties before the Lord, and disciplining our thoughts to what is pleasing to the Lord, these things will bring about the presence of God that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus against discontentment. Let me say that one more time. Rejoicing in the Lord laying our anxiety before the Lord, and disciplining our thoughts to what is pleasing to the Lord. These are the things that will bring about the presence of God that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus against discontentment. Next verse, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Step four is fellowship. Our fourth step to contentment is fellowship. We must be building ourselves a fortress of believers to encourage one another. It is absolutely vital as a believer, if you are wanting to one, honor the Lord, and two, 
If you want to be growing in contentment and fighting against the fleshly urge to be a complainer, you must be surrounding yourselves with the body of Christ. We are commanded to be gathering with the saints weekly in a church setting. Yes, I know that the church is not the building, it's the people. But the people got to gather somewhere, people. Like, <laughs> come on. So you need to be investing and attending and being faithful to a local body of believers, gathering with them in person, spurring one another on. And further than that, we need to be doing life with one another. In Acts, we see that they are breaking bread in each other's homes. They are giving of their finances to one another. They are living a life as a corporate community for the glory of God. And in doing so, it brings about the contentment of looking outward rather than inward. We need that reminder to be growing in concern for one another. Concern for one another that we look to their needs, not just our own. And then that will produce this... Um, this natural thought process that is less prone to complaining because we are looking to our brothers and sisters' needs. But likewise, when they are expressing concern for us, when you are in that kind of communal community, it gives less room to um, throw pity parties because you have the love of Christ being expressed mutually between the both of you. Um, I think it would be so funny if I had a... YouTube video of what I'm talking because I don't think you guys would believe how much I use my hands. <laughs> I know nobody can see me, but my hands are moving all over the place while I'm talking. Oh, goodness. I think that'd be fun to someday have one of those YouTube videos to go along with your podcast, but I usually have my kids either strapped to me or walking around me and it would just be just not this season, maybe some other season. Moving on, verses 11 and 12. So this is the verse that we had already stated that a lot of people focus in on. But we're going to kind of touch a little different aspect of verse 11. So number five, learning contentment. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter four. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. For I, so the um, end of the verse. The section that we are going to focus in on this passage is the word learned. For I have learned to be content. Charles Spurgeon had this to say in one of his sermons, and I can honestly say that this quote I feel as though it repeats in my mind once a week. It is a wonderfully spoken quote, but it is also it's also very convicting. It's poetical but piercing. Now he go, Charles Spurgeon goes on to say, "Now contentment is one of the flowers of heaven, and if we want to have it, it must be cultivated. It will not grow naturally." It is of the new nature, and the new nature alone that can produce it. And even then, we must be especially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace, the grace which God has sown in it. He goes on to say, er, <laughs> Contentment is not a quality that comes naturally, but a discipline to be acquired gradually. 
So for those who may find it easier to summarize rather than just trying to listen to summarize, the point that Charles Spurgeon is bringing about is that contentment must be cultivated. Contentment must be a discipline of the mind to gradually attend. You can't just be a complainer and then wake up one day and all of a sudden you are all of a sudden you are content and peaceful and joyful. No, it's one of the flowers of heaven that must be cultivated. It is of the new nature alone that can produce it. We must sow it. We must um, uh, tend to the seeds in our hearts that they would produce such a flower of contentment is something that we must be disciplined in doing. For Paul said, I have learned to be content. It is a learning, an ongoing, a process that takes circumstances to mold you to be content, if that makes proper sense. The last verse is, Verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We are utterly and entirely dependent on the Almighty One. If you want to be content, if you want to stop being a complainer, both for your sake and the sake of your loved ones, you must depend on Christ. You must go to Christ. You must ask for the Holy Spirit to enable you to grow in this area. For we can do all things through him who gives us strength. What an assurance of our capability of walking uprightly, but also what a reminder that it is through Christ and Christ alone. I do believe, though, that another factor in developing contentment is recognizing the supremacy of God's will and the divine, infinite love of God. Many times I have grown wearisome and heavy laden, and um, I want to share another journal that I had written once again, previously before marriage, but much so applies to many aspects today. I go on to write, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And if my lot is to be acquainted with many sorrows, though mine be few, may it still be said of me, she is a woman of God, a worshiper of the Holy One. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Psalms 103, 1-5 through 5. 10 through 12, and verses 20 through 22. It is a matter of eternal things. It is a matter of learning to be content, whatever the circumstance. Closed quote. Our contentment is eternal. The manner in which we view God will dictate whether we are a complainer or one who is content. The manner in which we worship God will dictate that. I shared yesterday in a preface to me making this episode, I shared five steps from E.B. Pussy, an 1800s professor. He gave five steps on how to gain contentment, and I will share those again here. He said, number one, for gaining contentment, number one, Allow thyself to complain of nothing, not even the weather. Number two, never picture thyself to thyself under any circumstance in which thou art not. Number three, never compare thine own lot to that of another. Number four, never allow thyself to dwell on the wish that this or that had been 
or were otherwise than it is or was. That one you really might just have to go back and read on my Instagram because that one is a, I mean, he, he writes like he's from the 1800s, so it can be kind of confusing to piece together in your mind. Moving on, number five, never dwell on the morrow. Remember that it is God's, not thine. The heaviest part of sorrow often is to look forward to it. The Lord will provide. A few more quotes that I am going to share before we close out this podcast. Next one is from Elizabeth Elliot's book, uh, Secure in His Everlasting Arms. That is a wonderful read if you're looking for a new book to add in this week or month. Um, she writes, What am I doing here? How am I to glorify God in such a place? I remembered Psalm 16:5. Lord, you have assigned me my portions and my cup. You have made my lot secure. I realized that he was preparing me for what he was preparing for me. She goes on to say, Our Heavenly Father knows to place us where we may learn lessons impossible anywhere else. He has neither misplaced nor displaced us. He assigns and designs according to his inscrutable wisdom. What a wonderful quote. Elizabeth Elliot is, to this day, one of my favorite authors and who has aided me much in my faith. I do not agree with her on everything, but much of what she writes is a huge encouragement to me as uh, when I was a single woman, to me as a wife, and now a mother. Whatever season you are in, I am sure the Lord could use Elizabeth Elliot as a wonderful tool to um, really fashion and, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, to um, just grow you, um, to put it plainly. Um, there's so much I would want to say on her quote, if you don't understand or know her story, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, I mean, you, you would really have to read her books of the full story because I grew up knowing that Elizabeth Elliot's husband was one of the men that was killed by the Aka Indians. And she in turn went and continued to witness to, um, to these people group, the ones that killed her husband. She still went and brought the gospel to them. And in that, she chose to rely upon the Lord, to worship the Lord, and to forgive the very men that had killed her husband. But what I found was very interesting and something that I never knew growing up hearing her story was not until I started reading her books that for years and years and years, she was single waiting for Jim to propose to her without ever the promise that he would propose because he was unsure if he was to remain single the rest of his life or if God had given him the the privilege of being married. Um, so I, I mentioned that for the purpose that this, this woman went so long needing to learn to cultivate contentment in a season of not knowing whether or not she would ever marry. And then when the Lord did give her to marriage, I believe it was just, I could be incorrect, but I believe it was just a year and a half to two years after they are married, that he was murdered. Such a sad story, but such a vessel of God's glory. 
So moving on. Lastly, the two quotes I want to share is, this is from an unknown person. I'm not sure who had written it. Um, but it says, the pathway to holiness is located right where you are in those circumstances, those relationships, and that tiredness in the challenge. The grace of God to make you holy is right there. So when you are in your next moment of realizing your heart, your attitude, and your words are complaining, complaining about your responsibilities, complaining about things that you wish were different or things that you want to happen, remember that God in his supremacy has placed you right where you are. He has given you the tools necessary to rejoice in him, to be holy, and to worship. John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So sisters, in closing, I would like to profess that contentment is holiness and a necessary means to glorify God. So go forth from here, rejoicing in the Lord, bringing any anxious or discontent thoughts to his feet with thanksgiving, pour them out before your father, have dedicated times of prayer and fellowship with the saints that your mind may be renewed to think about things that are lovely and of good report, things that honor the Lord, and be satisfied with your God. I hope that this episode was an encouragement to you. If there was anything that you found that you would like to discuss further, please feel free to drop it in the chat box below this episode or head on over to my Instagram at ChristLovingWife. Um, no spaces, no caps, just ChristLovingWife. And I would love to discuss more with you any thoughts that you may have or please feel free to subscribe to this episode or sorry, subscribe to this podcast and share it or tag me as that is a great way to help um, boost my content to more people and in doing so encouraging more believers along the way. So I hope you all have a good rest of your day and that you glorify the Lord through tending to your families and to your homes. May God bless you.